everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier and welcome to episode 56 of 614 Check here on the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Podcast Network. We have a great show for you today and in this episode we get to everything you need to know from the final face-off of the WCHA in Minneapolis as the Buckeyes ultimately were the runners up in that tournament, but they were named the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about everything you need to know regarding that tournament and more. We will also then get to the Ohio State men's hockey team as they won the first round of the Big Ten tournament versus Penn State, uh, and they will move on to Ann Arbor. And we'll also, of course, get into the NHL trade deadline and the Columbus Blue Jackets as well. So a lot to talk about in this episode, but without further ado, let's get right into this week's focus. Let's get into this week's focus here on 614 Check. And let's first start with the Ohio State women's hockey team as I was up in Minnesota for the WCHA final faceoff, which I first have to say was an absolutely amazing tournament. The WCHA always does an amazing job. I thank them so much for hosting myself and Connor Imes, my broadcast partner, this weekend. It was just a fantastic, great tournament. I really enjoyed it. And it's some of the best teams in women's college hockey. Uh, you had one and two there, and then you have Wisconsin and Minnesota Duluth as well. So the competitiveness of this tournament was off the charts. You had great crowd. Ritter Arena is a fabulous place. And the Ohio State women's hockey team, they knew it was going to be a difficult task going back to back in this tournament. Uh, and, you know, their first game was going to be a big test. That was versus. Minnesota Duluth uh, and Ohio State uh, ultimately met Minnesota Duluth uh, in the face-off semifinal. Uh, and this was a game that was really interesting um, because it was a very high-octane offense of Ohio State and then ultimately a very good defense in Minnesota Duluth and Emma Soderberg. They have a fantastic goaltender there. Uh, but ultimately, in this game, Ohio State beating the Bulldogs 2-1 to in the conference tournament of the semifinals. It was a great game for the Ohio State Buckeyes. We knew right away that if Ohio State could really um, get their shots off right away, and they could have fast-firing offense with a lot of shots in the first period, that they would be able to get it done. And within the first 10 minutes, they had around 15 shots already on Emma Soderberg. She made amazing saves and amazing opportunities uh, to keep this game at nothing apiece. Um, but ultimately, it was um, Brooke Bank who got the first goal for um, Ohio State. This was an Emma Soderberg turnover. Ashton Bell was there as well, um, uh, both turning it over. And those are different things that when Ohio State uh, forces turnovers and they get a gift, they usually always capitalize, and that's what we saw right there. Minnesota Duluth gifted Ohio State an opportunity, and Brooke Bank, who came into this series after missing uh, the Bemidji State Series in Columbus, came back, got a goal, uh, her third goal of the season, um, and that was a really big one. And the third line is really important for this Buckeyes team, and Brooke Bank, as a senior, making a difference and getting that first goal was key. Then Emma Malte absolutely had an amazing shot, a big slap shot to get to a 
2-0 game. And ultimately, it was Minnesota Duluth. They got one goal back on the empty net, but they weren't able uh, to get the equalizer. And the Buckeyes were able to close it out. And it's something that the Buckeyes always do. They always make sure that the goaltender has a hard time getting pulled out of the net. Obviously, the first time that Duluth got their one goal in this game, they didn't do such a great job in that. Um, but once Duluth was trying to tie it up, and it was 2-1, the Buckeyes barely let Soderberg out of her net until the last few seconds of the game. Uh, and that's what really helped the Buckeyes get to victory, do really well, and ultimately move on to the final of the final faceoff. Shots-wise, in total, 36-27, so not a crazy uh, shot margin on goal, um, but ultimately the faceoffs were 33-21 to for the Buckeyes, which was key. Um, but also, when both of Ohio State's goals were unassisted, um, but what was really um, important to note for Ohio State, they were 0-4 on the power play. Uh, they didn't get anything done on the power play the entire weekend, uh, which is very difficult for this Buckeyes team who is number one in the country on the power play. Uh, and not being able to capitalize on the power play really hurt this Buckeyes team this weekend. Uh, in the Duluth game, because, well, I think they played well. I, I think they knew that there was better hockey for them to play and that they could improve upon in the next day and continue it forward when they played Minnesota, who Minnesota played a great game, a really close one against Wisconsin uh, a few hours after the OSU-Duluth game. And so Ohio State and Minnesota uh, played the next day together. And this was in the finals. And let's be honest, Ritter Arena is in Minnesota. Uh, so it was a majority Minnesota Golden Gopher fan base, uh, which is really, really difficult um, for any team coming into an arena like that with a big crowd. And while, yes, Ohio State was technically the home team and it was a neutral site and all of that, this was an away game for Ohio State, which is really hard to do in an environment like that, and it made the hill a little harder to climb for Ohio State. Um, and so right now, this was the story with the Minnesota Duluth game, and then moving into the Minnesota game, like I said, with the crowd, it felt like Ohio State, they had to come out strong just like they did in the Minnesota Duluth game. And honestly, I think Ohio State definitely did that. Um, they definitely came out strong at the very start. Um, but ultimately, closer to the end of that first period, that's when Minnesota started to bounce back, get their momentum going, their fast-powered offense. Obviously, they have Taylor Heisey, the latest Patty Kazmaier, winner, uh, who is absolutely amazing. You can just see when she's on the ice, the speed and everything. And what Minnesota was doing, uh, especially what they did in the Wisconsin game as well, they were entering the zone very quickly and used that speed right off the rush to really create their dangerous opportunities. And ultimately, it was a fast-paced period. And head coach Brad Frost for the Minnesota Golden Gophers said that this game was going to be a coin flip, and it definitely felt like that in the first period. Uh, Savannah Norcross scored the only goal in the first period at the 5.05 mark, um, right in front of Amanda Teeley, and Teeley continued to get uh, showed one after another, one after another, uh, with a lot of different shot opportunities. She was really sharp in this game, and the first goal from Norcross, uh, it seemed like uh, 
that Norcross was right in front. The Buckeyes challenged for goaltender interference, but it ultimately was upheld. one nothing. so the Buckeyes lost their timeout. And ultimately, at the very end of that first period, uh, Jen Gardner uh, got a major penalty for head contact. There was a little bit of scrum there. Um, obviously, the Buckeyes weren't happy. They thought Abby Murphy um, embellished it a little bit. After the game, she did say she's been hit. Our head coach, Brad Frost, said that uh, Abby Murphy's been hit harder, and Abby Murphy said she took one for the team. Uh, but ultimately, if there's head contact there, the rule is the rule that it has to be a five-minute major. Uh, whether or not a penalty from Abby Murphy of what embellishment or whatever could have gone the other way, it's besides the point now. Um, so ultimately, Ohio State, uh, even being on the, you know, a better first period and having a lot of shots, and they killed that entire major penalty for the first five minutes of the second period. And, well, that was great for the Buckeyes, and they didn't allow uh, any goals on that penalty kill. It still takes a lot of life out of your team. A lot of the defenders, you don't have a lot of opportunities to turn on the offense. And that can be a difficult thing for a team to turn around and really get into starting um, to turn on the offense again. So that took a lot of life out of this Buckeyes team. That penalty kill, even though uh, Tealy stopped all six shots on the major. Uh, and right after that, the Gophers went back on the power play on game the 2 nothing lead, scoring on the power play there, um, which that just gave um, the Gophers more opportunities to be on the power play and have that offense and really stop Ohio State um, from setting up. And right after that, that's when Ohio State countered. McKenna Webster went on a breakaway. Gabby Rosenthal got the rebound. It was 2-1. to one. Um, and you start to feel that's when the Buckeyes started to really feel themselves. Um, but then it was Minnesota who came back huge. Um, it's always important how a team responds after getting scored on. And Minnesota came right back, made it a two, uh, goal game again, just a minute and two seconds after, uh, Gabby Rosenthal's goal to make it three to one for Minnesota. And ultimately after that, in the third period, 13 to seven were the shots for Ohio state. Um, but. Skylar Vetter played an unbelievable third period, and it was almost like Ohio State, they didn't put themselves in the position um, to really come back early enough, especially due to that second period. Uh, and all these, they knew that they never give up, and it was with them last year they entered uh, when they won the final faceoff into the third period, down 3-1. to one. So it was definitely possible for this Buckeyes team, um, but it's a big mountain to climb, two goals in a third period. Uh, especially when the crowd's against you there. And ultimately, the Buckeyes could not get it done. Um, and so Minnesota won the final faceoff. And that one definitely seemed to sting for this Ohio State women's hockey team. We were able to speak to head coach Nadine Muzzerall after the game, same with Gabby Rosenthal and Amanda Teeley. You could just feel the emotion there and how important uh, this game was for them and how upsetting it was to lose this game. Um, but ultimately, the Buckeyes say that they're going to learn from this um, and they'll let it sting for a little bit, but then they have to move on. And who knows, they could play Minnesota uh, in, well, now we'll talk about the bracket in a second. They could see them in the national championship game. And this game and this bitterness can leave a little bad taste in their mouth, maybe for motivation to try and beat them again in the near future. So ultimately, yes, uh, the NCAA selection show happened on Sunday, um, and all the Ohio State Buckeyes, even though they lost to Minnesota, they were still 
the number one seed in the tournament. Um, number two was Minnesota, three Colgate, four Yale, five Northeastern. So this is how the bracket is turning out. Ohio State, they host a regional in Columbus. Quinnipiac and Penn State uh, will be in the first round of the NCAA tournament in Columbus. That will be on Thursday. I will have the call still figuring out whether it's on ESPN+, Plus, Big Ten+, Plus, or wherever. Um, but that game will happen in Columbus 6 p.m. on Thursday. And then following that, Ohio State, I believe, will take on the winner of that 6 p.m. on Saturday. Um, and that game uh, will be again wherever uh, it will be. So make sure you follow us on social media for updates. And actually, the Ohio State game will be at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then on the same side of the bracket, um, it's the Yale Northeastern Regional, uh, where they'll be playing each other in the second round, 3 p.m. Eastern on the 11th. Um, so ultimately those two teams, uh, Yale or Northeastern will make it to the frozen four and then Ohio state Quinnipiac or Penn state will make it to the, uh, frozen four as well. Um, so Ohio state, if they want, uh, to make it to the national championship game, uh, and they beat Quinnipiac or Penn state, they would play Yale or Northeastern. If we look on the other side of the bracket, that's where the other three WCHA teams are. Uh, Colgate is hosting a regional. The first game of that is the Wisconsin-LIU game. Uh, LIU coming from the Newha. Uh, they have an automatic bid this year due to winning that tournament. The first time they're doing this in the NCAA Women's Hockey Tournament. Uh, they will be playing Wisconsin 6 p.m. Eastern on uh, Thursday. And then Minnesota-Duluth uh, will be uh, facing off Clarkson at Ritter Arena in the Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers. Uh, regional. Uh, that will be 7 p.m. Eastern as well on the first round. And so ultimately, the winner of Wisconsin LIU will play number three Colgate, and then the winner of Duluth Clarkson would play number two Minnesota, and then the winner of that those two regionals would play each other in the semifinals at the Frozen Four. So this is good news for the Ohio State Buckeyes, in my opinion. They don't have to face off a WCHA team until the NCAA. Uh, Frozen Four Championship game, the National Championship game, which is great. And they could ultimately, I think they're going to end up seeing Minnesota again, uh, which would be an unbelievable uh, National Championship game. Uh, when we look at this bracket and everything as well, making predictions, I'm not going to make a prediction on the Quinnipiac Penn State one because I'm broadcasting that one. Um, but I do think um, that when it comes to Yale and Northeastern, this one's really a coin flip. Um, Yale Northeastern, it's hard to see as, you know, someone who's so uh, watching the WCHA all the time uh, to really understand uh, these two teams. But Yale's had the hype all season long, but Northeastern has amazing goaltending, so that's going to be a really good series to watch. I think uh, Wisconsin will beat LIU, and then I think Wisconsin's just extreme depth uh, will ultimately get them past Colgate. And then I think Duluth will be Clarkson, and then it's going to be an unbelievable game between Minnesota and Duluth. If Soderberg plays the game of her career, I think Duluth can beat Minnesota, but ultimately I think it will be um, the Golden Gophers who will move on to the Frozen Four uh, to play Wisconsin. That could be coin flipped as well. They're both really good teams. They were so much fun to watch at the WCHA final faceoff. Um and I'm interested to see how all of that uh, turns out in the future and then ultimately going in 
to the national championship game. Um, but we'll be able to discuss all of that in next week's episode after we know who is making it to uh, the Frozen Four, uh, which will be really exciting to see how it all plays out. Uh, but now let's get into the Ohio State men's hockey team as they were in some playoff action for themselves, playing against Penn State University at home, same series as last year with the Buckeyes lost in three games. And you can definitely tell that when it comes to this series, Ohio State remembers exactly what happened last year, um, where they were definitely the favorite to go into it and things didn't go their way. Uh, and Ohio State definitely played a really good game on Friday. Um, they were the number three seed in the tournament. Um, and this was definitely a game uh, that went their way with a 5-1 uh, first win to really set the tone. Um, got the crowd in Value City Arena going, and it really showed the Nittany Lions where they were. And Stephen Halliday had a great game. Uh, he was able to slide a pass through Nittany Lions goaltender, uh, or a defender, excuse me, um, to Davis Burnside uh, for a one-timer that made it a 1-0 lead. Uh, and even though the shots were 14-11 after the first period for Penn State, um, that was because Penn State had a power play opportunity. And ultimately, the Buckeyes just kept going and continued to build and build and build. Uh, and Stephen Halliday had a four-point night, the first of his NCAA career after five three-point outings in a row. Um, and he has five three-assist games for the Scarlet Gray, and this was just Another great game for him, and ultimately, this was the type of thing that the Buckeyes needed right away. They had to start off on a great foot, and they had to show Penn State all that they were about. Um, but ultimately, you knew that Penn State was going to come up uh, really hard in the next game with their Big Ten season on the line, and ultimately, that's what they did. Uh, the Nittany Lions, it was a much tighter game on Saturday, and ultimately, it went into overtime 2-1. to one. Yes, there was a little bit of controversy. Um, Ohio State uh, got tripped, and Stephen Halliday was called for embellishment as well, which made it 4-on-4 four four and got Penn State that more open ice. Uh, and ultimately, Buckeye fans thought they maybe should have gone to the power play instead, and the game could have ended differently. But ultimately, Penn State played really well. Soulier, the goaltender for the, go um, excuse me, the Nittany Lions, played a fantastic game. Uh, and... That's what you have to expect when your season's on the line. You have to know that the Nittany Lions are going to play a really good game. And this put the Buckeyes in the same exact position as last year. Game three going in. And that can definitely take a lot of confidence away uh, from the team. Whenever it's a best of three, the team who wins game two always has the momentum. Uh, so it was going to be difficult for Ohio State, even though they were at home at Value City Arena. And this was a game, in my opinion, that really showed the character of this men's hockey team for Ohio State. Uh, they ultimately beat Penn State 3-1, to one, uh, and this was a pretty crazy game. Um, the Buckeyes, everyone was scoreless between 20 minutes, uh, and... Ohio State uh, then scored. They went up 1-0. The goal got overturned for goaltender interference. Um, then Penn State took the lead, uh, made it 1-0. And then Ohio State uh, went again to score, but it was a kicking motion and the goal was overturned. Um, 
So ultimately, right before the goal was overturned, there was a tripping call. Ohio State went to the power play and they converted to finally get a goal that did, in fact, count in this game. Uh, and ultimately, uh, it was Cole McWard who had that power play goal. Um, but then Scooter Bricky uh, came in on the rush uh, from the far side circle and was able to score for this Buckeyes team uh, and able to give them a 2 1 lead. And then all. Ultimately, Ohio State uh, were able to get the empty net, and ultimately the Buckeyes won 3-1 to one as they will now head up to Ann Arbor. Uh, this is going to be a really fun uh, game in Ann Arbor next week. Uh, it is going to be on Big Ten Network, and it will be at 6.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network, number 9 Ohio State at number 4 Michigan. Uh, for a chance to um, play either Minnesota or Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship uh, for men's hockey. Uh, and I think Ohio State has a really good chance against Michigan. Uh, they've played well against Michigan all season long. And thing that Ohio State didn't have last year uh, was, especially against Penn State, of course, was their ability to finish in that third game. And Ohio State had a lot of adversity in that third game from two overturned goals they could have easily given up or got frustrated, but they kept going and they kept wanting to score. And ultimately, I think that shows a lot of character about this team, uh, which gets me really uh, thinking that this team could go far in this Big Ten tournament, ultimately far in the NCAA one as well once we, in fact, get there. Uh, but let's now talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we're not going to talk about um, the trade deadline or anything revolving around the Blue Jackets and the trade deadline until we get to the rapid headlines. So let's just look at their week uh, game-wise. Uh, they only had two games. They had a back-to-back. -back. They lost in Columbus against Seattle 4-2 to and then against Ottawa 5-2. to uh, Still playing in good games there um, and fighting hard but ultimately not, not able to get it done in either one of those. They will play Pittsburgh uh, tonight on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Valley Sports Ohio, and then have a nice break before St. Louis at home, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Valley Sports Ohio as well. So that's going to be it for everything on this week's Focus. Without further ado, let's get into a trade line edition of the Rapid Headlines and College Corner. Let's get into the rapid headlines in College Corner here on 614 Check NHL Trade Deadline Edition. Uh, there were a lot of trades, not a lot of trades on the actual NHL Trade Deadline Day, which was great because that's when the final faceoff started. Uh, so that was good uh, timing wise for me, but it was really the Tuesday and Wednesday is when things were really busy. Let's talk about some trades here. Um, there was one between the Canadians and the Dallas Stars. Uh, Stars sending Dennis Guryanov to the Habs for Agveni Dadanov. Uh, Ivan Berbyshev went from the Blues to the Golden Knights uh, for center Zach Dean. And then um, Jack Johnson, former Blue Jacket, going from Chicago to the Colorado Avalanche. Back to Chicago, Andreas England. Now, a big major trade that happened on February 26th um, was a big one sending uh, from the Sharks, Timo Meyer, Scott Harrington, Setner Hotcut. Uh, Timo Ibrahimov, Zachary Emmund, and a 2024 fifth-round pick. 
Uh, and back to San Jose was Andreas Johnson, Shakir Mukmadulin, uh, Nikita Akotik, and Fabian Zetterland, along with a 2023 first-round pick, a conditional 2024 first-round pick, and a 2024 seventh-round pick. So this was a doozy of a trade. Um, a lot happening there. Uh, and basically, you know, a rental right now for Timo Meyer and the New Jersey Devils. I think he could stay there long term, but the Devils are a really good team. And Meyer really fits well in this uh, team for the New Jersey Devils as they are going for a playoff run. And this was a good trade. But at the end of the day, the San Jose Sharks um, got two first round picks uh, right now for the uh, left winger, uh, who's going to be a free agent. And ultimately, they got Zetterlin and all of those pieces as well um, that I think will be good pieces. So I thought that was a win-win trade. Uh, a surprise trade that happened after that, Tanner Janot of the National Predators went to the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, for Cal Foot, a 2023 fifth-rounder, fourth-rounder, third-rounder, and a 2024 second-round pick, and a 2025 first-round pick. So you got a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, and Calfoot. Uh, so this was a huge package for the Nashville Predators and David Poyle, uh, who is going to be stepping down and retiring and letting Barry Trotz uh, take over after um, the NHL entry draft. So this was a pretty crazy trade and a good trade for um, the Nashville Predators. Another major trade that happened uh, on the 27th, uh, Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty went from Chicago um, to Toronto along with conditional 2024 uh, and 2025 fifth-round picks. Back to Chicago was Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev, um, a conditional 2025 first-rounder and a 2026 second-round pick. Um, and as we're looking at other trades, Marcus Johansson went from Washington to Minnesota for a third-round pick. Um, and Kyle Dubas for the Toronto Maple Leafs continued to deal on the 28th. Uh, got um, Eric Gustafson and a 2023 first-rounder for Rasmus Sandin uh, to Washington. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Toronto then uh, traded away Pierre Engvall to the New York Islanders for a 2024 third rounder. Then they got Luke Shen from the Vancouver Canucks for a 2023 third round pick. So a lot of dealings there. Then another big trade was the Nashville Predators uh, and the Edmonton Oilers. The Preds uh, sent uh, Matthias Ekholm, who has two years left on his deal, along with a 2024 sixth round pick to the Edmonton Oilers for Tyson Berry. A Reed Schaefer, a 2023 first-round pick, and a 2024 fourth-round pick. Um, talking about the Blue Jackets, uh, they traded Gustav Nyquist uh, to the Minnesota Wild for a 2023 fifth-round pick that originally belonged to the Boston Bruins. So basically a sixth-round pick, depending on where Boston ends up in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, and this was something that, you know, Gus Nyquist injured right now for the Blue Jackets wanting to come back. Um, but ultimately, this seemed like, uh, you know, the Blue Jackets wanted to get more. But the NHL sent out a statement earlier in the day saying that the league would keep a, a tight watch on teams that take players that are currently injured and just activate them uh, once the um, salary cap doesn't matter in the playoffs anymore. So they probably would have got a little bit more before the NHL sent out that memo. Let's talk about some other big trades. 
Patrick Kane's a New York Ranger. He went from the Blackhawks um, to the Rangers along with Cooper Zetch. Um, and this was in exchange for Andy Olazinski uh, and a conditional 2023 second round pick and a 2025 fourth round pick. Also, um, Arizona received a third rounder from the Rangers uh, to retain salary. And ultimately, the Rangers didn't have to give up that much for Patrick Kane because Patrick Kane basically forced his hand uh, for, with the Blackhawks and said he wanted to be a New York Ranger. Now, let's get into the major trade for the Blue Jackets in this NHL trade deadline. Vladislav Gavrikov, Jonas Corposalo going to the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for a conditional 2023 first-round pick. That basically means that the LA Kings have to make the Stanley Cup playoffs for that to be a first-rounder. If it's not, it's two uh, second-round picks in 23 and 24. Um, the the trade for Gavrikov and Corpusalo, in addition to the first rounder, also uh, came with a 2024 third round pick and Jonathan Quick. Uh, so, yes, Jonathan Quick uh, was a Columbus Blue Jacket for a little bit. Uh, he was ultimately traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but, you know, Gavrikov, Corpusalo, we expected them to get traded. Uh, they got a first and a third together, and Jonathan Quick was basically just. The salary cap dump, and the Blue Jackets got a little bit of something for him after that. Um, but ultimately, it was a salary cap dump there. Um, and, you know, people weren't... Uh, Jonathan Quick was not happy this with this trade going to Columbus um, after being with the LA Kings for such a long time. But ultimately, the Blue Jackets treated Quick right and uh, sent him off to a contender in the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, which we uh, will get to right now. Um, so the Blue Jackets sent Jonathan Quick to the Knights for Michael Hutchinson, who will be now the backup goaltender for Elvis Merzlikens, along with a 2025 seventh-round pick, Columbus retaining 50% of Jonathan Quick's salary. The Jackets also sent Jakob Vorchek and a sixth-round pick to Arizona for John Gillies, uh, and this was basically Arizona needed um, some salary on their uh, roster um, due to the cap. Floor. Um. Also, let's talk about two other big trades. Blue Jackets, they were interested in Jacob Chikorin, but he went to the Ottawa Senators from Arizona to Ottawa um, for a conditional 23 first-round pick, a conditional 24 second-round pick, and a 26 uh, second-round pick as well. Another big trade, Tyler Bertuzzi going from the Wings to the Bruins for a 24 first-round pick and a 25 fourth-round pick. Boston loading up in this trade deadline, even though they didn't really need to because they're an amazing team already. I think they're a big winner from this trade deadline. I think the Blue Jackets also um, did a good job playing their hand with what they had. There were a lot of other trades, um, but a lot of them smaller besides John Klinberg going from Anaheim to Minnesota for Andre Sutzer, Anikita Nizarenko, and a 25 Fourth round pick with Anaheim retaining 50% of Klingberg's salary. So those were all the big trades from the NHL trade deadline. A lot of things happened in this one, um, but ultimately it was very quiet on NHL trade deadline day. So I know TSN, uh, ESPN, Sportsnet, and all of them were trying to fill in some time, but ultimately... Uh, it was a busy week ahead of time. Let's talk about some college corner stuff. Uh, 
Tony Granato, the head coach of the Wisconsin men's hockey team, uh, will no longer be there. He was fired after five losing seasons. Uh, we also do know that Ohio State's number nine uh, in the men's hockey USCHO poll. Uh, we also do know, of course, um, that when it comes to other things in the NCAA, um, that basically, you know, these teams are just trying to figure each other out right now in the NCAA women's hockey field. They will see how it all turns out in the tournament. Uh, the, some other awards we have to talk about. Uh, Sophie Jakes, WCHA Player of the Year. Uh, Nadine Muzzerall, excuse me, of the Ohio State Women's Hockey Team, along with Ryan Nadolski of St. Cloud State, were the co-coaches of the year, which I think is definitely deserved for both of them. Patty Kassmeyer finalist awards came out. Um, the top 10, uh, Pia uh, Dukarik of Yale, goaltender for them, Jennifer Gardner of Ohio State, Taylor Heisey of Minnesota, Sophie Jakes of Ohio State, Elena Mueller of Northeastern, Maureen Murphy Northeastern, Gwyneth Phillips of Northeastern, Danielle uh, Sertadechny of Colgate, uh, Kiara Zanon of Penn State, and Grace Sumwinkle of Minnesota. Um, so that's everything um, from the College Corner, along with Goaltender of the Year in the WCHA, being Emma Soderberg, along with the Defender of the Year in the WCHA, being Sophie Jakes. Uh, so that's going to be it for everything in the College Corner and Rapid Headlines. So without further ado, let's get right into the outro. I hope you enjoyed episode 56 of 614 Check here on the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Podcast Network. Um, the NCAA tournament uh, for women's hockey and Big Ten tournament for men's hockey is getting underway. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned for everything here on 614check, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the handle at 614check, 4check spelled F-O-R-E-C-H-E-C-K. Make sure you follow all the other great 61 uh, area code SGSR podcasts. Uh, we have Players Only with Cami Quartercracks and Reagan Milliken uh, now coming out with OSU Softball. Uh, of course, we have Blocko Show and The Ohio State of Mind, The Nightcap, Everything great is going on there, and then almost game day will be back soon as well. Same with nothing but nylon. That's going to be it here for 614 Check. My name's Zachary Rodier. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on episode 57 of 614 Check. Thanks.